0: Welcome to the Playmaker Podcast, a podcast for people who want to sell differently. Playmakers wage war against traditional sales and win. Remember, success is just one play away. Welcome, everybody, to the Playmaker Podcast. We got another episode. We are live here with Mr. Coca Sexton. Coca, how are you?
1: I am doing wonderful. How are you doing?
0: Oh, man, it's great to have you. I mean, Coca, Coca, when was the... uh, you know, n- truthfully, I mean, I can't say that Coke and I are best friends, but I have always admired Coke. <laughs> um, that's a fair. That's a fair statement, probably right, Coke. Um, but I have admired Coke. I mean, you got to admit, when it comes to social selling, I mean, this guy probably put it on the map. I mean, I'm thinking Coke. Our first, the first time I really shook your hand was when you came to our Accelerate conference, maybe three, maybe four years ago. Could that be true? You may don't remember, but yeah, I
1: think it was about. Three
0: or yeah, three or four years ago. I mean, so so you're you're now at uh, Hootsuite, but obviously you've had a, a fascinating career, and I don't want to take too long, but um, you're you're running social selling at Hootsuite. But can you walk us through kind of the journey of how you, um, you know, not only kind of went through some your experiences, but how you've kind of helped develop and put social selling on the map?
1: Yeah, of course. So you know, my background. I mean, this whole journey really started. Um, you know the while I was a sales rep. And when I was you know, an inside sales rep and sitting behind a desk, my biggest issue was developing my own pipeline because marketing couldn't produce it for me. Uh, and so I had this love-hate relationship with the marketers. Ah, so true. And so I had to I had to find a way to, to develop my own pipeline, as most salespeople are struggling with. And the answer that was always given to me by my sales manager was just make more phone calls. Uh, and i understood the logic there's definitely a science behind that yeah. um but when i thought of making 100 phone calls to get to two connects or whatever that ratio was there i had to, i wanted to find a better way yeah. and so then i came across this idea of social networks and i got uh you know i got signed into linkedin um and then within about a year i signed in for i signed up for twitter and then i started unlocking all these new possibilities because at that point the idea of leveraging social networks as a salesperson was basically unheard of. Mm. Um, it was being used to some extent, but what really I think my focus was, was optimizing that behavior. Um, and because of that laser focus of how do I optimize the behaviors and the activities on these social networks with the ultimate goal of building my pipeline and not building a brand you know, or building a fan base,
0: mm. uh,
1: you know, is I think is what really, you know, catapulted my career growth. Yeah, and th- this um, because must have been, because of that,
0: you know, go, how long, I mean, this probably was what, 2000 and uh, maybe 10? Is this, I mean, it's probably been yeah. se- seven years-ish? Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, it was
1: 2010 when I made the switch from sales to marketing, which I call, you know, the, the, the when I, I moved to the dark side. Oh. Uh, and that was <laughs> basically when when I got in that, that first role at, at Inside Deal. And I was a little apprehensive to take a marketing role as I just said, like I had love, hate relationship with marketers and, but I saw the opportunity and I figured it was worth the risk to see if I could help marketing move into this world of where sales effectiveness really has to take place and stop talking about the fluffy metrics and how am I actually driving pipeline and ultimately revenue for a company through marketing activities. And because of that, I was able to really get laser, even more laser focused on the, on the metrics behind social selling. Because as a salesperson, I didn't have analytics tools. It was a lot of me writing notes and notebooks, like, did this work? Did this not work? And, and, and in some cases, I even had spreadsheets where I was like, if I did 15 of you know, this activity, how what, did that net out any meetings? Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was able to do that within a marketing platform and from a marketing standpoint, uh, the technology was already getting developed where I was able to do that at a much larger scale. And because of that, I then just married married it into sales organizations that start doing these things because this we're actually seeing movement interesting. Um, and because and because of that activity, I got on LinkedIn's radar, and LinkedIn <laughs> then recruited me to come work for them. Um, and you know that's when most people really found out who I was because I got put on this world stage uh being part of linkedin sales solutions in the very earliest of days um in fact they didn't even have sales navigator at that point that was yep. one of the reasons why i got brought on was to help build the go-to-market plan uh with the content and social strategy um as well as being this this bigger thought leader in the space of where linkedin is being used by sales people um, and as much as i am a fan of linkedin i still very much am um i've always believed that social selling is much bigger than huh. one single
0: platform yeah interesting Interesting. Um, I think I think you're right. I think that's where most people kind of came across Coca-Sexton, right? I mean, the Sales Navigator has become almost a must-have, and I know you and Ralph of uh, Ensozen, you guys were real instrumental. I mean, to your point, it wasn't even there before you yeah. guys kind of brought the, the go-to-market. So uh, you obviously, uh, LinkedIn, I mean, we talked about this before the call. We There was this moment in the market, right, where... Um the, the, the valuation of LinkedIn kind of took a hit. I think all tech companies took a hit. We we saw big change. That was a big big pivotal moment at insightsales.com as well where the market just kind of said, whoa, you know, tech, let's slow down a little bit here. That that was there. There was something there, and then soon after, you you jumped ship and said, "You know what? I'm going to continue my journey here." Got what I needed, potentially. I mean, maybe not got what I needed, but enjoyed my stay at LinkedIn. But wanted to do something different. So tell us a little bit about Hootsuite and what you guys are, uh, some of the cool stuff you guys are doing over there.
1: Yeah, so Hootsuite is typically known as well. It is the largest social media management platform. I think we've got about you know, just over 15 million users uh, around the world, and. You know, I have always been a fan of Hootsuite. I started using Hootsuite, I believe, in 2009. Um, And that was because I even back then understood that the idea of a salesperson jumping around from different social platforms to post status updates just seemed inefficient to me. And leveraging an application or a platform like Hootsuite where I could basically plug everything into one platform and then it gets distributed to my social networks from there made my life much easier. Um, it allowed me to schedule content. It allowed me to um, manage, you know, other content streams and and identify, you know, trigger events through social by advanced searches. Um, and it just didn't seem that possible within the existing social platforms, at, at standalone, you know, tabs on my browser. Hmm. Uh, so, you know, because of that, when, when Hootsuite had come around and said, hey, we're, we're building you know, this, this team and we need these experts and we know that there's a social selling use case and we're building something for the sales audience. Would you be interested? I, you know, I had to jump at the chance.
0: Yeah, because typically...
1: Um, in many ways, that was the reason why I ended up going to LinkedIn, because they told me they were building this amazing platform. I was like, I need to be a part of that. <laughs> and so I felt the exact same excitement when Hootsuite had, had, had brought up the fact that they were building this platform. Round, uh, round,
0: round two, it sounds like. Is that what's going on? Round two, Correct. right? Um, yeah, I mean, so is Hootsuite then typically not... I mean, I've, I've used it. I actually have gotten away from it. Um, I got away from it. I've gotten back into it a little bit. Um Uh, Is it not typically used in more of a kind of a B2B setting, or what has been the primary use case? It's not been more of a social selling tool. It's been more of a uh, a social listening, or no? How has the use case been different? Social
1: listening and social marketing you know i think it will, it's more of a you know, marketing the, tool the predominant, oh, okay. yeah so mm, predominantly yeah. The, the the customer base customer service teams that are monitoring social media for you know for issues or compliments and, and the customer service team is man engaging or from a marketing perspective where you know for example you know at at Hoopsuite or even at linkedin or larger corporations they could have upwards of three or four hundred different social profiles around the world that they're trying to manage, and they need a platform to integrate all of this. Mm. Uh, so from an enterprise level, Hootsuite just makes life easier for marketers that are using social social networks.
0: That makes perfect sense. That's right. M- marketing would be the – I was thinking, oh, I've kind of used it as a, quote-unquote, social selling tool, but uh, it, makes, it makes a lot of sense for marketing. Okay, so um, – so I I always like uh, to as I just transition here I want to get into kind of this idea of social selling I mean having um, coca on we we got to get into it but I always like to ask guests outside of work coca um, just to keep you a little more human any passions or things that are quirky or fun about coca sexton that the audience should know about.
1: Uh, I, leave <laughs> put a, you I leave on, the, a spot, put you on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have a fairly boring life outside of work. Uh, and, and, uh, and that's kind of by design. I'm, I'm very much an introvert, which most people would think is very abnormal for, for coca. Um, so I'm, I, I, I gain my energy by kind of just sitting on the couch in most cases, <laughs> but, uh, outside of work, you know, I've got, I've got two children and a wife, oh. um, and I spend every free moment I can with them.
0: I was not aware of
1: that. Uh, so yes, you know, I, I, I'm not out running around like I did in my 20s. Uh, <laughs>
0: We've gotten so, a little older you know, over I, the last 10 years. That's right. I
1: work hard, and then you know I try and spend every moment I can with the family.
0: I love it. I love it. Like I said, it's a fairly boring life. No, 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 no. You've, you've got a uh, another family man here. I've, we just added the third third child, and I'm feeling feeling like that was a. <laughs> not A bad decision, but it's added a lot to the work workload, <laughs> so be cautious of the man versus zone. People told me that a hundred times, and I didn't listen to them. You know, two, you got the man defense, that's right, and they say it, <laughs> and I laughed in their face or I smiled at them, but now they're laughing at me, anyways. Um, so let's dive into social selling for a minute, Coca. So, um, one of the things um, that, that spawned this was, um I took the uh, the liberty, you know. Sometimes, I, I think it maybe was sales for life. You know, they've been posting some cold calling stuff, and uh, you know, cold calling's dead or cold calling blank and. You know, I wrote to, I, I wrote some friends and I was like, God, this cold calling things make me mad. I'm going to see if I can write, i want to write this death of social selling idea just to see if I can kind of piss people off. Well, I was successful, I think, at, at, at pissing some people off, but Coke and I ended up having an interesting discussion. And I think, it, you know, if, if nothing else, um, I think it did provide a lot of people with some thought-provoking content back and forth as to what is the role of social? How can I use it most effectively? And truthfully, I think Coke and I kind of come out on the same end of the spectrum with kind of a balanced approach, which we'll get into in a minute. But Coke, I'd love to just ask a couple of questions around social. And the first one is, you know, part of the thing I've struggled with is, is the this concept of ROI. You know, when you're able to... Um, you know, with an email campaign um, and, and landing pages, and I'm thinking more marketing here, you can often kind of track, you know, step-by-step step and cost-per-click, and you can get super-duper granular on on kind of this marketing campaign. The The thing with, with social, and part of the reason probably has been LinkedIn's... Um, Non friendliness of allowing you know activities to be able to come into Salesforce so that I can easily. a <laughs> good do it. way of putting that. Um, and, and I'm trying to be. You know, I don't mean you to, for you to dog LinkedIn here, but is that something that you've kind of also struggled with? And, and if so, how do you coach companies to get to that place where you can start to say, "Guys, this is this this is really working. This is good ROI." Or is it still mostly manual? So, I, I'd say
1: it's, it's still both, right? I think that the idea of automating the activity, logging the activities in whatever CRM you're using um, has become very easy when it comes to phone and email. Right. Uh, If you're using Salesforce or Dynamics or whatever, whatever that CRM is systems have now been built where if I'm sending emails or making phone calls, that stuff can get logged automatically within the CRM because it's it's always been the bane of every CRM organization, the company, of the Salesforce adoption of the tool itself. So that's why companies like Salesforce built this massive partner network because this partner network actually helps drive adoption into the CRM as a whole. Uh, I think that there's always been an issue with that, but technology is also advancing now, right. and we are finding, you know, it, even here at HubSpot, like we have a, a a platform called Amplify, which is a content curation, mm. uh, distribution, uh, mobile app, mm. and that is now tying into CRM. Mm. So as I share things from my phone while I'm commuting, that activity, you know, it can can then you know be translated within within my CRM, but. More importantly, that as I'm engaging with people on social, that's going to start getting embedded within the CRM records as well. So it's going to show the activity yeah. of, oh, I sent a tweet to this contact, or I got a direct message from this person, or I connected with them on LinkedIn. But for the most part, you know, going back to the, the original question, it is still very manual, yeah. and that's why it's harder to measure. But the companies who have built that measurement, even if it's manual. <laughs> They are really? seeing, they're seeing the,
0: the ROI from it. Yeah, and I want to get, I want to maybe go into a couple of those examples. I mean, wh- Why do you feel like? Um, and again, I don't want you to to knock LinkedIn here um, per se. <laughs> I'm sure you get. I put, don't work there anymore, so, Yeah, well, I can you probably pro- do that a bit. well, yeah, you probably get put in that position. But why did you know? Because I can go into our CRM right now, and and I use the CRM as kind of this way you know, it it, it houses a lot of the phone calls. We could probably do it outside, but it's nice to be able to aggregate everything together. I mean, I can go into CRM and kind of see Marketo engagement, right? How they're playing with activity or whether they went on my website and I can kind of run some reports on that. Why why was LinkedIn stingy? Why, Why didn't they get that to us sooner? I mean, my understanding is we're just getting there now with the new plugin into Salesforce that you can get some of these activities in, but was that a strategic decision or it was just not on the time roadmap or... What, what what kind of brought us um, to here? So, in your I opinion, maybe it's was, just an opinion, but
1: yeah, my opinion, with whatever limited knowledge I do have about sure. that process, was you know, LinkedIn is extremely data driven, and when they build products, and I have seen this over you know dozens or more product launches of my time while I was there, they focus on the core use case, and they want to nail that. Yeah. They want to be amazing in a specific space. Yeah. And so they focus all their energies on that. Uh, when it came to Sales Navigator, the idea was how do we develop a platform that salespeople will love to be inside? Yeah, The added benefits of, you know, syncing it into CRM and um, allowing for, you know, other activities like that was all. On the roadmap, eventually, but I mean, the, the product the is, is, is laser focused. Yeah, is laser focused on building the best platform there was.
0: Well, and you, it's it's uh, funny it's it's funny you say that because oftentimes, you know, a lot of people they can't sell their product unless they can show really clear ROI. But because to your point, maybe this worked out to their adva- well. It obviously worked out to their advantage because Navigator, I feel like, is basically a must-have. They built a product that was sticky enough that. Even if the ROI isn't as easy to, to the conversation we've had, even if it's not as easy, it's sticky enough that people, qualitatively, they're seeing so much value from it that they could get away with it, I guess. I mean, you know.
1: Well, and, you know, we also address that by creating the SSI score, right? Like yeah. That was one of the reasons why the SSI score was created was because in lack of ROI, what can we show oh, that gives the SSI people SSI that score. endorphin rush? Of hey, I'm doing something good.
0: Yeah, yeah, I loved the SSI score. That actually, did you have something to do with that? Because kudos if you did. Um, um, I feel like yeah, I mean,
1: it was it was it was most of the marketing team and and the sales leadership. Like we sat around and said, what what do we need to do?
0: Yeah, um, I'm, I'm a big. And fan so of it that. was
1: a big. I'm a big. It was fan a big data it. science initiative as well because we the the idea of just creating a score was never going to be good enough. Right. Um, so the idea was what is the behavior of the salesperson that that score is going to be based on? And so they did a whole analysis. I mean, it took a really, really, really long time. Uh, and we were testing the SSI score out internally for months before it ever saw the light of day to the outside world. Huh. And it was because we really wanted to find, get a really finite list of what are these activities and what should those activities be measured? Uh, what, 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 I guess score should those activities be given to get you up to, uh, you know, ultimately a hundred of an SSI.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, and you know, maybe that'll be because there's probably a fun tie in in the future. Now that that's fairly nailed down to be able to link your SSI score to, measurable outcomes revenue or a pipeline or whatever that'll be an interesting potential tie in you know further down the road so um
1: well and they started doing that already they've, they've already started you know drawing the correlation of individuals who have ssi scores over let's say 65 or 70 they're out producing the sales reps who have some of the, yeah
0: that would be a great that would be a. I mean it makes perfect sense makes perfect sense um um, so so, as we move on I, I, I want to ask this question, so one of the things that I kind of uh, <laughs> And, you know i i was looking through the articles that we wrote coke and, and i'm thinking was i was i poking the bear here a little bit i think i was poking the bear in some instances so you know one of the things i put down there coke was um <laughs> of course you did
1: you wrote the blog post the idea of inciting some type of riot online
0: <laughs> you already said that <laughs> um yeah yeah and um and then there was some rioting right did you i i don't know if you caught i felt and i got to appreciate i mean between you and i um i really felt like you know, sometimes these things get out of hand. When, when Coca wrote his article, I called him up. He was real cool. You know, he's like, no, 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 look, you know, I'm happy to debate. It. I think it's interesting. And obviously you're on the podcast. So, um, but there was some, you know, there was a couple of comments I had, and I won't name names, um, but I've actually tried to reach out to those individuals and continue the conversation. And I cannot, and, and I actually had a relationship with two that I'm specifically thinking about, and they will not answer me. Um, so I think I did actually <laughs> cause some real grief, um, and you know for what you know evil or not evil again i thought the debate was still interesting but that aside um the riots aside um you know one of the pieces i kind of was poking was what activities really drive um you know the the best outcomes, and I I had this the, actually one of the things that spurred the article outside of the some of the cold calling is dead articles was this conversation I had with a, a sales rep and he just said, "Gabe, I'm having a hard time hitting my number. I've been trying to do some social selling, and we talked about some of the things he's been considering. And he was getting into some crazy realms, like should I try to do a podcast, or should I should I should I should I I've thought about creating this Facebook group and YouTube sites, and I mean he was brainstorming, but he's like, should I go down that path? And I was like. Whoa, 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 whoa. And and I thought, you know, it's an interesting conversation. You know, what social selling activities should salespeople be dealing with? And and certainly I think some of this depends on your marketing team and the support you have. But in your experience, and if you were coaching sales reps, maybe even at a beginning level and then in an advanced level, what have you found to be tactically the best activities people should do in order to win? With social
1: yeah I mean I think it, the idea of writing any article of XYZ is dead is always going to incite some type of illicit response which you know I there's there's a time and a place for it in fact when I was running content you know before like that was actually the fun stuff to write because you knew that people were going to jump on it <laughs> um, you know it's click it's you know it, 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 it's it's it serves many purposes to write these types of
0: articles. Sure, sure, sure.
1: Uh, and and you know, it, it surprises me that other people in the space that you know have uh, are are voices within the social selling realm like would shy away from actually having a conversation about this because I, am, I and I, I say this all the time. I am much more a student of this world than I am a teacher Um, as much as I can talk to it and I can train and I can coach and I can give strategies every time I walk into a new company and especially now at Hootsuite as I'm working with the you know the largest enterprises in some cases yeah uh, you know every company is different and the strategies and methodologies in 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 their entirety are still solid but they have to be manipulated to fit these massive corporations because they've already built this this a process and playbooks, you know, for their company. You can't you can't rip all of that out. Um, and you know, I think that's where a lot of people go wrong is they think they're going to go in and just change the way a company operates, and, sure. and it doesn't necessarily happen that way, and, and especially not fast. Sure. So, that being said, going to your your question about like what are the activities, you know, my belief is that you know, there, it, it's, it's, it's twofold. One, the very, the very first part of my, you know, my social selling methodology, it's my, my universal mantra, that's what I call it is that visibility creates opportunity. Mm-hmm. And this is true uh, in all, in all aspects of life. If If you're not present, if you're not actually putting yourself out there, no opportunities are going to come your way. It has, you know, you know, Dave, we can talk about how we met our spouses. Like if we had not put ourselves out there, if we were not visible, that <laughs> opportunity would have never presented itself, yeah, right? Totally, totally. And as a salesperson, we have to be visible. And as salespeople, we have to put ourselves out there so that the buyers, when they're looking around for answers, they can find us. Yeah. And that's where this whole idea of visibility creates opportunity comes from. And so the best thing a salesperson can do is to make themselves look as presentable as possible to their buyers. Mm. And that starts with the, how they set up their social profiles. Hmm. Um, it's, it, then it goes into what are they sharing? Are they sharing good, relevant content that actually educates buyers along uh, whatever stage of the buying cycle they're in from exploratory, like discovery, like we're looking, we know that there may be an issue. We just want to kind of see what's happening to, Oh my gosh, we have a fire to put out. There's, there's something missing and we need to put a product or service into this. Yeah. So re- regardless of where somebody is within that cycle, you know, you have to be visible. Um, when earlier in my career, as I kind of kind of opened up these doors for the idea of what social selling is becoming, it was more around this idea of omnipresence. My job was to make the company that I worked for at the time look as big as the largest enterprises that were in the space. Yeah, yeah. And the only way to do that is without because yep. we didn't have much of a budget yep. was to leverage social. Yep. And that mentality carries down to an individual salesperson. You know, as a salesperson, you have competition. You are dealing with other salespeople out there that are trying to get the same business that you are. So what makes what is that determining factor with a buyer of who they're actually going to buy from? And data continues to show that buyers are self-educating. So if a if a decision maker is consuming five pieces of content on average before they want to talk to a salesperson, where are they getting that content from? Some of it may be coming from the brand. Some of it's probably coming from the salespeople that are sharing it. Yeah. But the, the age-old adage of people buy from people, I mean, I think that was like, you know, from my great-grandparents'
0: age. 1700, Columbus. Like still, that was Christopher Columbus, yeah. I think, actually.
1: Well, you probably. Like, you know, that's, that's still true today. And so people will buy from people. Yeah. And if I, if salespeople are sharing things... A buyer is going to identify more with an individual than they
0: are with a logo. I totally, which is yeah, totally
1: brand affinity.
0: Oh, I, I mean, I so think that's still that's, true. Yeah, people, and I think people follow people. They don't follow companies as well. You know, I think that's why someone like yourself. You know, when we started this conversation, I was like, "Hey, you were Mister LinkedIn." You know, I'm like, "I can't." You know, I often used to think of LinkedIn. I thought of Coca Cola and then I'd go kind of check you out first before I went and checked out LinkedIn. So, I think that mantra <laughs> t- totally. And I say check out in obviously in the right way, but. Um, you know do you because one of the things that i 've debated with people, and I like your idea that obviously you start with the profile and then you share I think this this question of content and maybe it just depends on the individual now it 's funny in my article, a lot of people called me out and said, Gabe, what are you and you may have been one of them like, what are you even talking about I mean of all people who seems to be active on social." Uh, you know, I'm posting an article on LinkedIn and I'm saying LinkedIn's it's terrible. <laughs> that wasn't me.
1: I know exactly who you're talking about because that, that's, that's the go-to argument from him with anybody who oh, is kind it? of like throws throw shade on social selling. They're like, he, he has, the response, and it's valid, is but you're using social to do that. Yeah. So let's, let's have that conversation.
0: <laughs> yeah, so, um, so uh, but there is a little bit of debate, and I can't remember if I said this to, to that person or not, but you know, I said, well I've kind of moved out although I do spend uh, a, a lot of my time selling I am not a you know a monthly or quarter quota carrying sales rep I do not have a quota although I do help on on a lot of sales calls. Um, I've moved into a little more of this realm like we've talked about, um, you know, trying to actually create content. But, you know, if if I was a sales rep, I probably would still do it because this is who I am and I love to do it and I love these types of conversations. But if you were coaching the typical sales rep, where where is the time and place for them to be not just curating but creating? So that's,
1: that's a great question, and again, you know, I you mentioned that in your article, and I think in, in my rebuttal, um, I, I had touched on this as well. Is that I don't I don't believe that all salespeople should be creating content. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I think that most salespeople should not be creating content. Yeah. Uh, because it's it's a different skill set altogether. Um, it's a different mentality. It is, it, right. it's, you know, I, I get emails on a regular basis from salespeople and if they, and, and I cringe when I read these emails, they, they misspell <laughs> things, they, they say, they say weird stuff in the email. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, in fact I was on a, a, a webcast or a video that I produced for Vidyard and we were reading horrible emails that we've gotten. And you know, like, there's this one whole email that I got where somebody was saying that my name was like a, like some type of princess and, and you know, they thought it was, and I was like, this is the weirdest email I've ever gotten. Like, why would you send this to me and then ask me to schedule time with you? All right. Sorry, I go
0: off on a tangent. See, no, but there's something um, to it, right? I mean, sales. I had a sales leader, I, I think I've mentioned it on the podcast before. She called it the Hey Bro factor. And she had a couple of prospects reach out to her and say, Hey, you, your, your sales development you know, reps, they probably shouldn't be using Hey Bro. Um, so, uh, it, it, so it's. I it's think true.
1: the behavior that salespeople should be doing isn't creating content necessarily, mm. they should be active in the social networks where their buyers are spending time. So, you know, it, it sh- they should, most salespeople shouldn't be creating YouTube channels. You know, I, we've seen it where it works out. Well, there's, you know, Morgan Ingram from, from terminals. Yes. Like he has gone from an individual sales development rep to managing a sales team. And now he's producing content on what makes for a good sales development team and, and the leadership behind that. Um, uh, but he's a unique use case. Like not all SVRs yeah. could do that and be and and be successful with it. Right. Uh, so I think that a sales rep, all they should really be focused on is how are they connecting and engaging with these decision makers. You know, in in you said in your email. In fact, I, I quoted it in mine, and I actually I've taken that quote and put it in in a slide deck that I presented recently. You know, you have to use all the tools available to you. Yeah. Yeah. Phone is one. It, I, you know, as much as in my earliest days, kind of like to that whole idea of being controversial. Like I used to say, like stop picking up your phone. Yeah. But the reality is, is that the phone is still a very effective tool when used correctly. That's
0: right. That's right. And I so and, and I thought so you email. and I, that's right. And I thought you and I definitely agreed on that. It is. Um, and I think most people, when it comes down to it, I, but you know sometimes I think reps do they they get cost in this this idea of maybe I should just call, maybe I should just pound the phone, maybe I should just be an email market, maybe I should just be a social seller, and, and obviously you will find that some All buyers about- yeah some buyers may actually take better to one versus another, and you got to test that on your own, but I love the idea of kind of using. You know, using a balance, and I think that's certainly the takeaway message that I got from our debate was I I think I got a greater appreciation of, you know, there obviously is, and I think there is common ground between thought leaders around use what's most effective and use the tools you have to sell more. So, um, Coke, I know our time is short here. I wanted maybe just get two more quick thoughts from you. One is um there's this movement uh, there appears to be a movement between some of the the social sellers i think i was talking to jill rally um this new company i don't even know how you say this new company uh, mario martinez what is it it's ven ven I can't remember. Vengresso Vengreso, is that how you're saying it? Um, I think so. But, but the idea of moving away from social selling into digital sales or digital transformation, do you feel like, again, the word the term is not certainly not dead, but do you feel like it is a better uh, conversation to have to say it's not social selling, it's digital sales or digital transformation? And why are we seeing potentially that movement?
1: So I think it's, you know, The same message on a different side of the coin, like it's, 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 you know, six of the top dozen of another, it's, it's basically the same thing. Yeah. The, you know, I have, I, I believe that social selling is the act of leveraging social networks and your own professional brand to fill your pipeline. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The idea of digital transformation and sales, which I'm also a huge proponent of is the marrying of marketing and social selling, (laughs) Right. You know, one of the things that became very clear to me, especially as I moved uh, into LinkedIn and especially now within MoodSuite, is this idea of where the lines of, of, of ownership really lie with, within an organization that's, that is enabling a social selling program. Mm-hmm. You know, in order to do that effectively, you have to have marketing support. And the idea of having a, you know, a an agency type model internally, or, you know, having this digital transformation that companies are already going through a digital transformation all over the place. I mean, you just, you just last week, you, we read that time, time Inc was laying off hundreds and hundreds mm-hmm. of writers because they're getting more focused in the digital realm. Like yeah. digital transformation is a real, a real issue for many companies. Right. right. Now, once they do, but it's starting in the marketing organization, because that's where they're finding where, where the money's coming from. Yep. Yep. Now, it, at some point, either in tandem with that transformation or shortly thereafter, the sales team is going to have to get on board also. Because if marketing is going all digital and sales is still being very much analog, there's going to be miscommunications and the customer buying journey is going to be a mess. Right. Totally. So there there is a need. For companies to adopt this idea of how do we transform our company holistically from both a sales and marketing standpoint, um, and, you know, I, I don't know all of the, the team at Vengreso. There's a, you know, I know Brand, I know Mario, obviously. In um, fact, you know, Bryn's written you know numerous books about this. She's amazing in the space. Where I wrote the forwards into into one of her books uh, that was released about two years ago, um, as well as um, Vivica. Uh, who is is great when it comes to the idea of how to leverage social media marketing. Um, You know, so I think all the pieces are there. I mean, you know, time will tell if it's successful or not, uh, but they have the right people. um, And I think that they have the right philosophy in place. um, And I think that's where companies are going to eventually have to go um so they are filling a need i do
0: see that interesting yeah i mean i i do like the i like the conversation around digital cuz i love the mo- the more sales and marketing can work together i think the better things work out so dang it time is always of the essence and i do want to be conscientious because we we are over time so coca we'll close at that plenty more to discuss super interesting debate again really appreciate the professionalism, I think, from your side, I, I certainly poked a little bit of a bear, and I thought you had some great points and certainly a great conversation today. So if someone wants to get a hold of you or understand a little bit more about Hootsuite, what's the best way to do that, Coca?
1: So you can head with me on Twitter. I'm at Coca Sexton. Um I'm also Coca Sexton on LinkedIn. Uh, you can go to hootsuite.com forward slash social selling, and you can hear more about the social selling products within Hootsuite. Um, and if you have any other questions, questions, just feel free to reach
0: out. Appreciate it. Well, uh, with that, everybody, remember success is just one play away and have a fantastic day.